So on today's podcast, we have no idea what we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, Scott. Clearly. Oh, and we're talking about how I found out this table has drawers. Did you know that? I did know that. I was using one over there for a missions committee, and I was very, very excited. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and things we're able to do. You know, the Spirit's able to do through us. And what goes into that? How do you open yourself up to being used by the Spirit? How do you figure out what your spiritual gifts may be? What does that look like? Let's, let's start there a little bit. Let's let's talk about what's the role of the Holy Spirit? What does the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit do? I mean, one of the things I said in the sermon yesterday, um, which I picked up out of a book by Tim Tennant, was that this one of the roles of the spirit is to universalize the work of Jesus mm. in his followers. And so, you know, going back to that verse where it's Jesus said that his followers would do even greater things than he would do. Um, greater, not necessarily bigger things, but more things, mm. broader things. They would do more of the work he was doing. You know, yesterday we talked about healing and uh, how the Holy Spirit, through Peter and John, healed that lame man sitting outside of the temple. But also about how the Holy Spirit came and filled Peter with the boldness, right? When um, he was standing before the Jewish leaders and they were questioning how he was doing it, what he was doing, and telling him he needed to stop talking about Jesus. And said so he was filled mm-hmm. with um, the Holy Spirit and began to talk to them. But then at the end, but then at the end of chapter four, when Peter and John had been released and they went back to the believers and they tell them what had happened with the chief priest, then the people started to pray, right? And they started to pray and they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. He said, why do you, the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And they continue praying. They say, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of the Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And I don't know, somehow it just, we, I at least have tended to think about Pentecost as like this one-time event that happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Spirit came at Pentecost and anointed the people and and equipped them for what God was going to do through them. And that was it. 
You know, like yeah. they had the Spirit at that point, and when people became Christians later in the Book of Acts, they received the Holy Spirit, and that was it. But I think in these early chapters, if we actually take time to to slow down and look at them a little bit, we see the Holy Spirit filling people over and over and over again. People who had already been filled by the Holy Spirit in response to their prayers, in response to the needs around them, you know, needing to be able to proclaim the message of Jesus. And so, at least for me, I think some of the shift that's had to take place in in my mindset in thinking about the Spirit is not just like a one-time dump of, here's the Holy Spirit, here's everything you need, good to go, you just got to figure out how to kind of tap into it inside yourself, which is kind of our American Western model being imposed on on the Holy Spirit, right? Um, but how do I live my life in a posture such that when the Holy Spirit needs to do something, he can do it through me? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you use the phrase of people that had the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit time and time again. So does that mean that the Holy Spirit is emptied out of you and then comes back for the miracle or, or whatever he's doing to work through you? I think there is an abiding presence of yeah. the Spirit within us. But I think there are then certain circumstances, extraordinary circumstances, yeah. where the Holy Spirit either gives you like a boost that you need or... Or even as we learn to empty out more of ourselves, mm. he's able to come and fill us more fully. Yeah, because you can have the Holy Spirit in you, and it doesn't mean that you are fully composed of the Holy Spirit to the point where it's an outflowing of... Right, so one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to form us mm. into the image of Christ. And that happens as he reveals more and more of who we are so that we can offer that to God yeah. and the Spirit can come and fill us more fully. Renew us day by day. Yeah. So how how can we posture ourselves or what are the things we can do to be more open uh, and allowing, giving the opportunity for the Spirit to utilize us? Yeah, I, I think it's the spiritual disciplines. You know, things like worship and prayer and scripture reading, serving, spending time in silence and solitude so that when the Spirit wants to do something in us and through us, you know, we're attuned to his voice. We take time to drown out the the noise of the world around us and the noise of the world inside us mm -hmm. so that way we can hear his voice, so we can learn what his voice sounds like and that's where i think the like to be filled you must empty yourself like you said of of uh, ourselves of the world of these things and so that that you know when you're in that place then god knows and and knows your heart and where you are so that when he uses you that he would get the glory for what he's done oh that might get me in trouble <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, I was a kid. 
uh, when the when the lottery got like close to like a billion dollars, right? Right. It was the first time I ever bought a lottery ticket. Last time I ever bought a lottery ticket, I was like, I just need one. And you know, God, these are all the amazing things that I will do with that money. <laughs> it's like, you know, so you can entrust me with the billion dollars because here's the list of all the good things I'll do with it, which I think buying a, a private island was one of those many good things that I would do with the money. A Christian ministry resort. Ex- exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, for retreats yeah. And, and everything. And so it was one of those things that like, okay, you know, maybe I would, I'm telling myself that I would do those things if given the ability, whether financial ability, you know, spiritual gift, whatever abilities and things God would provide, that I would use it for him and for his glory. But God knew my heart and knew that if I was provided that thing, that'd be like, oh, well, you know, this wasn't really God, you know, like I earned this or like I was lucky or this and that and give myself much more credit and then therefore utilize it either to holster myself up, whether it is to holster up myself in front of others or even just to myself to build my pride up um, instead of giving all of God all of the credit. And so I think that kind of goes in hand with our spiritual gifts of are we expecting God to do these amazing things through us if we know ourselves well enough that may be like, well, you know, maybe it's because I'm a really, really good Christian and all the stuff I do is why he chose me to heal someone. It's everything, you know, it's all the stuff that I, you know, I put in my 50 hours of volunteer work or whatever. And that's why God is doing, you know, and trying to build up our, our side of things versus, um, versus just giving it all up to God. Sure. And I, and I hope that came across in the story that I shared from our, our time in Uganda. Um, you know, it wasn't about me being in a place where yeah. I could hear God. You know, I, I was, I was angry. I was frustrated. Oh, yeah. I could feel you relive that when you hit the pulpit. (laughs) Yeah. And on my own, you know, our truck never would have gotten fixed. And I never would have gotten to Kampala for that training. And it was only because of the Spirit. Because he chose to intervene even when I wasn't in a place to even really receive it. Like, Mm -hmm. he had to tell me twice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if, if I'd said no again... He would have just left it there, you know? Yeah. But learning to hear, learning to put yourself in that, to humble yourself and and be careful to give him the glory, I think is, that's all a key part of it. Yeah. But then the reality is that when he does choose to use us, when he does choose to speak to us, it's not because of anything we've done. It's not because of who we are it's it's just his grace again poured out to us yeah and and i don't know how to better clarify it because it almost seems like the we're we're almost like we're saying two different things of one by being in deeper relationship with god and by doing the actions of praying being in the word serving worshiping all of these things will help you get into a better position and then we're also saying that well it's not what you do it's you know god so how can we better clarify and separate those things good question again i think it's a both and i would say by doing those things you are 
get by getting that deeper relationship with God that you are more attuned to his will, how he would like you to follow. You are more willing and and in a place of reverence for how God is going to work for you. And again, once again, that you would give him the glory, hopefully, as he gets to know your heart. And these are things that prepare you for him to work through you. But it's not a you did the checklist. So now I choose you and you are the one being used. It just opens. It makes it more i would say probable not not e- i don't even know not even i don't even know if i'd go with probable yeah. i think i think it's just, it's just more conducive yeah and god knows that you're a faithful servant via these things and so and i i think that's that's a key word there he knows you're faithful mm. because i think that's what he's looking for he's looking for people who are faithful who are going to do what they need to do. People who have learned to hear his voice, people who have come to understand what God's will is, generally speaking, mm-hmm. so that when he comes specifically and says, I want you to do this, we recognize and we know it lines up with what he said in other places of scripture. And and ultimately, it's, it's that relationship, right? Yeah. He wants us to, quote unquote, do those things. Because it builds the relationship and it builds the trust that we have in him, but also the trust that he has in us, that he knows that when he gives us something small, we're going to do it. And as he sees that faithfulness lived out, he's able to entrust us with more and more. Yeah. Well, we can connect it with marriage because, I mean, that's a... You know, God uses that illustration for for us with our relationship with him. And so, you know, if Rebecca has asked me to go grocery shopping for us and I get distracted and I buy everything that, you know, my eye gets drawn towards at the grocery store, in addition to what she asked, then maybe she wouldn't trust me to go grocery shopping in the future because I wasn't able to do the task. And, you know, I'm, I'm called to do things. And, you know, like I say, I love you very often. You know, I'm try to, uh, you know, get gifts for holidays, for anniversaries, remember these things. But it's not a you know, Rebecca has this list of Jeremy, you must say I love you to me three times a day at least. And you must, you know, get me a gift of at least a monetary worth of $50 and and all these things. It isn't this list, but because we're in relationship, like I'm doing my part in that relationship, even though it may not be a, because you said I love you three times, then I'll bake cookies tonight or whatever it may be. Yeah. And to push the relationship, um, image a little further. It's like if somebody comes into my office and sits down and says, you know, Pastor Scott, I'm really struggling with this friendship that I'm in. You know, it seems like there's something going on, but I just can't figure it out. Oh my, I can't figure out what's going on. I can't figure out how to quite get around this thing or what I've done. And I ask him, well, have you talked to him about it? They said, yeah, yeah, I, I went to him and I told him all the things that were going on and okay, how, how'd they respond? Oh, well, I didn't really give them a chance to respond. I didn't listen to what they had to say back to me. Ooh. You know, like that doesn't work, right? Yeah. Because a relationship goes two ways. And so, you know, if 
if we're trying to figure out what the Spirit's saying to us, if we want to be the kind of people who are open and available to us, and we say, well, I've been praying about it, I've been wrestling through it, I've been thinking about it a lot, but I just can't figure out what, what the Spirit's saying to me about what's next or about this certain situation. And I say, well, are you spending any time in Scripture? Are you listening for what God is saying to you, or are you just telling him the things that you see from your perspective? Mm-hmm. You know? And so putting ourselves in that position where we can hear from God on a regular basis, because what is Scripture? It's, it's the primary way that God's revealed himself to us. And mm-hmm. so it's the unchanging, um, unshifting bedrock that we can go back to for all the other things that the Spirit wants to say to us. It's yeah. one of the ways we can test that we're actually hearing from the Spirit because it'll line up with you know, the general tenor of Scripture. It's not going to be, you know, the Holy Spirit says, you know, you should, you should leave your, your spouse and go do this other thing. Yeah, he's not going to tell you that. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be, oh, yeah, you should, you should go rob a bank so that way you can give all that money to the church. The Spirit's not going to tell you that because it goes against what he's already revealed of who he is mm-hmm. in Scripture. Putting ourselves in those places where we can hear from God, we can talk to God, we can build that relationship of trust, we can um, live into the faithfulness that he empowers us to live into. Mm-hmm. I think that's how we get to the point where uh, over time, we might notice oh, the Spirit repeatedly over time keeps asking me to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he keeps putting me in a position where I'm called to, to share the good news with people who haven't heard it before and invite them into a relationship. Oh, well, then you might have the, the spiritual gift of evangelism. You know, and, and God's showing you that gift through the ways he's leading you. You might find you keep getting asked to lead the Bible study or, you know, explain something in a Sunday school class or whatever. Yeah. Well, maybe God's given you the gift of teaching, and he's mm-hmm. trying to bring that along um, because there are gift, different gifts that he gives to different people in different measures. You know, I think... There's you know a whole list of of gifts that the Spirit gives. They're given in a couple different places in Scripture. They don't quite match up in different places, and I think that's okay because I don't think it's uh you know, you've got to take a test and check off exactly which one you have. I think in different situations you might be called to exercise different gifts. Yeah, and so He gives us different ones in kind of on a spectrum. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my teaching spectrum might be high, but my evangelism uh, spectrum might be on the lower side. But it doesn't mean that I'm never called to share the good news with somebody, or that there might not be a certain situation that I find myself in where the Spirit's saying, "Now you need to tell this person about yeah. Jesus." And who are we to limit how much God can use us? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Sure. You're like you know God. I believe that you can, you know, give me two gifts. That's your max. That's the that's all you're getting from me. Um, and don't hear me knocking those uh, those tests that help us kind of see where 
maybe the spirit is leading us because based on our personalities and how the spirit's working in us, like those are valid things that can help us figure out where God's leading us and the kind of ministries he might be calling us to. And if you've never done one of those and you'd be interested in doing one, let us know. We'll help you figure out where God's gifted you so we can get you plugged in to good ministries that fit um, the gifts that God has given you and the spiritual gifts that he's empowered you with because we're all called to be part of the ministry of the church. You know, if anyone has any more questions, hopefully, you know, as we continue through this series that uh, a lot of questions will be answered, but uh, Pastor Scott and I are available to talk. We have resources if you'd like to read books more uh, focused on the Holy Spirit and you want to dig deeper. Um, If you want to just read more instances of where it's shown through scripture talking about the Holy Spirit, we can point you in those directions. And and if you have any more questions for us, please reach out. Uh, It's it's something that uh, sometimes in church we just give the Pentecost message once a year and then kind of move on from the Holy Spirit. And so I think this is a a very fruitful and well-timed series that, uh, yeah, we just want to maximize what God can do through it. And so, you know, participate, be a part of this.